Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at The Times. Today's topic, focusing in short bursts. On this week's podcast, we share a discussion among three journalists, including Lane, who have been working from home, struggling to avoid distractions, trying to find a quiet place to write. The conversation originally was recorded as a webinar and includes Deborah Netburn, a feature writer at the Los Angeles Times, and Marla Broadfoot a freelance science reporter who wrote Ask the Scientist for the Raleigh News and Observer. The hosts were Julie Muse of the National Press Club Journalism Institute and Tinsley Davis from the National Association of Science Writers. Those organizations sponsored this broadcast and we'll include links to them on our website. And we thank them for letting us share this episode. It helps hearing how others are searching for new ways to find ideas and focus during this pandemic. Thank you each for being here today. I'd like to start by having you share your work situation right now and sharing the challenges that you have for focus. Deborah, let's start with you, then hand off to Lane, followed by Marla. Um, hi, everybody. Thank you so much for attending. Um, so uh, my work situation is I am, um, we have a house in Yucca Valley, which is uh, near Joshua Tree. So we, we have a, a place in LA, but that place is small and open. And um, the benefit of the house that I'm in here is that it has a door I can close. And um, that's like the most important thing for me. So no desk, it's like a spare bedroom. Um, but at least I can close the door. I don't have to yell at everybody to be quiet when I'm doing interviews. And um, it's just my own private space. And in terms of what's been the most challenging for focus for me, I think is that the situation is so new and fluid. And I feel like I just need to keep reading to learn more about what's going on. Um, I've been writing a lot of explainers about COVID and, um, it's just, it's hard to kind of focus on my own stories when I feel like I'm constantly like gathering information, which I, I think informs the stories, but I don't know. So anyway, who's next? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, thanks for joining us. Um, so this is my little porch. This is usually my office where I work at home anyway, but my two boys are 
I was an empty nester until COVID happened. Mm-hmm. And my youngest son came back from college and his boyfriend has moved in here with us too. So this is the only like room in the house that has like great internet. So we're taking turns, like whoever has a Zoom thing or whatever gets to use this little porch. And you can't see out my window here, but I um I was telling the ladies, I bought myself a little gazebo from Home Depot, like mosquito netting and a roof so I can sit outside and make phone calls and do interviews when it's raining or, you know, not eaten by mosquitoes here. I'm in Florida. Um, so yeah, it's changed, you know, it's changed a bit. I used to love, love writing at home because it was quiet when the kids were in school or gone and now it's never quiet in my house. Um, my son is a choreographer, so he's doing jazz dance in the dining room right now. And my husband is a um, high school band teacher. So he's been doing Zoom with his high school band people. So it's it's kind of loud in the house. And, and I agree with you, Deborah. It's just really hard to focus not just because of the distractions of people in the house, but just because of everything that's going on and how it's changing so much. Um, I'm, I'm an enterprise reporter, so I usually work on longer term stories, but I've written 12 stories in the last eight weeks because I've just been doing little off the news pieces of, of coronavirus while some of the other, my colleagues are covering, you know, body count and testing and stuff like that. So mine have been more little human interest stories. Uh, well, thank you everyone for joining us as well. Um, so I live in an old house in Eastern North Carolina and I've been working in this space, this office for the last 13 years as um, I've been a freelance science writer. And, um, but it's been <laughs> pretty different the last few months because I'm used to being here alone, but now I'm joined by my husband who is a uh, extroverted accountant who likes to think out loud. <laughs> and I also have a 12 year old and 14 year old daughters who um, aren't always the quietest and they have um, you know online school now that they're dealing with and I also have an old dog and an old cat and I'm fostering a um, shelter dog a pit bull mix and her seven puppies so it's rather busy and distracting around here um, but just as as um, Deborah and Lane said uh, I, I feel like what's happening in the house isn't always the most distracting part. I mean, it, it can be something when the puppies are whining and the, and the kids are yelling and you're trying to do an interview. But I feel like people understand that now. Um, before, when I was a freelancer, I had to put up the simplets of professionalism when I was working from home. And now it's like, everybody's fine. If there's a dog barking, they want to see the dog. Um, <laughs> but I do feel like the same thing <laughs> with the pandemic life. I felt like life slowed down, but then the work didn't. And so it was hard. I have friends who are saying like, there's nothing to do, but then I'm feeling like I'm trying to jump in and I'm developing a pitch and then the story already broke the next day. And so trying to keep up is really, is really a struggle. Um, and then the emotional part of it too, definitely weighs on me. It's not even necessarily the science, it's the humans and their response to it that sometimes keeps me from focusing on the task at hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you guys, um, when you talked previously about this, I thought one of the most interesting questions was, do you actually write in short bursts? And how do you actually manage your own attention to your writing? So I wonder if you guys can talk a little bit about that. Lynn, let's start with you. Well, I, I've kind of always written in short bursts. I don't have a whole lot of attention spans when I'm writing. And I, but I have to get into that. Um, I call it going into the cave, like when, when every, all the other distractions are gone and I, I don't like to write with music. I put my phone in the other room. Um, but I do, I give myself like a, a deadline or a goal. And it's usually I can 
<laughs> a reward maybe it is like I rank to a diet coke so mm-hmm. like if I finish my can or my bottle of diet coke then I can get up and do the laundry or play with the dog or take a break and I think one of the first um one of the biggest takeaways I guess is to allow yourself or at least for me to allow myself to realize that just because I'm not sitting here at the computer doesn't mean I'm not working you know and I feel like a lot a lot of um my best thinking comes when I'm walking the dog or doing laundry or we all talked about the other day taking a shower, you know, I'm taking a longer, longer, longer shower to get in that like sensory deprivation tank. So I think, you know, writing, it, it definitely is a discipline that I have to make myself sit here and, and get to a certain point in getting words on the paper. But a lot of the work is actually done in my head when I'm not sitting here. So, Lane, how many Diet Cokes does it take to write a story? (laughs) A thousand word story is about three. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why you were up all night the other night, huh? (laughs) Yeah, it serves both purposes. (laughs) Marla, I remember um, I, I was thinking about you the other day because... I feel like you said there was like a time, like like your perfect writing time is like from 2.45. Was that right? 4.45. I think mine's about three. Like it, it sort of takes me like all, especially if I'm not on a tight deadline, it kind of takes me like all morning to like get set, like go through the emails and then kind of look around and then I'm like chatting with my colleagues at work. And, and then like, I think around 2.30, I'm like, crap, like, I, I, gotta get, I gotta get some stuff done, you know, and then, like, if any, my focus is, like, my radiating almost anger, like, I'm, like, like, if anybody tries to come in, I'm, like, I'm working, you know what I mean, because I, because I feel like this pressure, so, but I was, I was thinking about, like, almost needing to be bored enough to, like, just get focused, you know, mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I, I mean, it's almost, it's almost like clockwork. I've seen it so much that, uh, that I'll be sitting down and all of a sudden it'll be coming and it'll be coming really fast. And I'll, and I'll look at the clock and it's 445. Now, I don't think I can sit down at 445 and say the muse is going to arrive at that moment. I mean, I think I do have to do the work, like you were saying, Lane, like thinking through things or coming up with a metaphor or really thinking about how I was going to set up the story or outlining it in the shower to be able to do it at 445. But, but yeah, if I could work from 445 to 745. So I guess that's my burst is three hours, <laughs> which I know is not a luxury for everybody, especially when, um, you know, we have deadlines or we have creatures, human and otherwise at home with us who have their own demands. Um, that's an interesting uh, segue to, because it, it's, it's not just enough to focus, you're switching focus between multiple things and multiple kinds of, of attention that you're paying. So we have a question from Christopher who said, a friend said it feels like we are all on the coronavirus breaking news beat. How do you turn that breaking news brain off and switch to focusing to a longer piece of writing? Well, I'll just say that um, I think that is a really, that's been a really big challenge for me right now. Um, it's easier for me to be on a deadline. I like knowing what readers, I, I like knowing that readers are like hungry for what it is that I'm going to be writing. And I feel like answering like coronavirus questions right now, or like showing a scene of like life right now is of great interest to people. Like before I, I was wrapping up a, a big, you know, a, a bigger feature right before this started and I'm really struggling with like 
does anyone care now? Lane, you were talking about that a little bit too, you know, it's, um, but, but it's, it, it's, they're not, it, it's a good story, you know, <laughs> like, like, I think we're ready for um, non-coronavirus stories. What do you, what do you guys think? I, I think, th- I think people are starting to get a little tired of it. And it seems like some of the statistics are showing that, um, but it is hard to, I mean, I'm working on a book project and I have to say working on it. Um, I'm, I am mostly writing about coronavirus, but I, at least I'm making time to schedule interviews and do research and read books about it. And But every interview I start, I say, how are you doing? Because I feel like you can't, I mean, there's going to be the before coronavirus and the after coronavirus, and we can't ignore that. But I think it's important, just like we have to go for walks and we have to spend time with our family, we have to like not let these other stories fall to the side because we have to find balance somehow. What do you think, Lane? And I was just having that conversation with my editor this morning. She's like, what about that story about the serial rapist? And I was like, oh God, I worked on that story for months and I kind of even forgot that it existed. It's all piled up right there behind me. But I, I told her, I said, I'm not even sure. First of all, I'm not sure if our readers are going to care about that anymore. It was a serial rapist who raped like 30 women 30 years ago and they finally caught him. But do I care about it anymore? You know, I don't know. It seems it seems like it's not as relevant. And in terms of focusing, I'm having a really hard time thinking about longer enterprise projects instead of these little thousand word features off coronavirus, which I can knock off. You know, I, I don't know what the appetite is. I know on um, our analytics on the Tampa Bay Times, some of the best read stories that we've been doing are not the body counts um, or the hunt for the vaccine. They've been personal first person stories. Mm-hmm. A lot of our staffers have written um, about everything from, you know, I can't visit my dad at the nursing home to, you know, my son missed his high school graduation. And so I, that was interesting to me that readers are really engaged with a lot of the first person stuff that our other writers have been doing at the paper. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me because I keep thinking that like in this time where things are so confusing, it's like you want your experience reflected back at you a little bit. You know, I mean, I know that that's like what I gravitate towards too. I I was also thinking um, like, I don't know if this is not inspiring enough, but like the idea that right now is when you're going to write your like most beautiful, thoughtful, in-depth story seems crazy to me. I mean, I I mean, you know, I wish I could say like, here's how you dig in and tap into that. But I think like we also can acknowledge that that this is actually a really, even, even if it's like, Oh, it's, it's working out at home. Okay. It, It just doesn't seem like, um, we're, we're just in the throes of the unknown. You know, we have no idea what's coming next. And now is like really the best time. Um, seems maybe like you could give yourself a break. That, that's right. Yeah, that, um, that actually um, raises a question that, um, that, that Jill asked in the, in the Q and A um, about whether you've, found ways to sort of speed things up or write with less lead up. And I guess what I wonder is, does it help to lower the bar? Like, does it help to give yourself permission to not write the Pulitzer Prize winning story today? Um, How does that influence your ability to focus? 
And I think that it goes back to the, I don't know, the bird by bird um, book that I, I love, you know, um, I, I guess we can say on Zoom, shitty, write your sh shitty first drafts. <laughs> I'm not going to be like bleeped. Um, but, you know, I think when I do sit down, you have to turn off that internal editor. And I struggle with that because I, you know, every, if you get excited about a story, you're like, this is going to be the best story I've ever written. You know, I, I catastrophize or I fantasize and it's either the worst thing in the world or the best thing in the world. And you'd have to say, just get some words on the page. We don't know what it is. It doesn't even exist yet, you know? And I think that, um, I think, yeah, having that ability to say, you know, there's a good chance it's not going to be the best. And maybe a lot of people won't read it because they're busy reading um, about other things because uh, there's so much out there and just give yourself that leeway uh, is important because we can't keep producing at hundred percent during all of this. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I think it's really helped too for me to take small bites. You know, instead of thinking about my big 10,000 epic that I want to do by the end of the year, I'm thinking in thousand word things. And I've done a lot of um, like day in the life type thing where it's really the frame is really small. You know, it, it, this person gets to work, they leave from work. And I don't know if you guys are finding this, too, but like so many of my ideas come from like being out in the world that sitting here in my little office by myself, I feel like I'm not overhearing conversations. I'm not out at a bar or a restaurant or someplace where people are talking about things. So the dearth of ideas is also a problem in terms of focus because only thing anybody's talking about is coronavirus, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree with, I, I haven't had really any feature ideas because you know, we've only had this house for like a year. I don't really know my neighbors, you know, so I'm not like, I don't feel like I'm interacting with the world right now. Um, but like, I have found that, uh, so like you were saying day in the life, like my kind of container is um, like a, a question that could get answered. You know, how risky is it for me to visit my friends? Like, you know, um, when, what, what is things going to look like when they open up again? You, you know, just, and then just like, it's actually relaxing to write so tight. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it, there's a question and there's an answer. It doesn't require a lot of like creative thought. And it also gives me an opportunity to do some of that first person stuff, like where I'm just like, we're all exhausted. We're all, you know, and like, um, uh, but in the context of journalism, I feel like those types of stories are not, I mean, maybe just professionally, like what we all aspire to. And that has been a little challenging on my ego because I'm not writing like, you know, grocery store workers, what's their experience or, you know, I, I don't know. And I, um, I don't know. I feel like it's a time we need to be nice to ourselves, I think, <laughs> because I feel a little lame sometimes. No, I agree. I mean, I think that that having that compassion, I think you've said that before, Deborah, like the compassion is important. And and my thing is that I think what you do um, outside of the time you're writing is just as important as what you do during that time. I mean, it, it's true. You can be writing in your head doing anything, but I think sometimes you have to take a break 
and get in and do these other things like exercise that helps you focus or go for a walk or do meditation if that appeals to you. I've heard some people say that anything that gets you into the flow where you have to focus on that. So if you're an athlete, which I am not, but if you're an athlete, you play a sport. If you're a teacher, I teach yoga. Like I can't teach yoga and be thinking about something else. And it's not just kind of treating yourself to something because really what you're doing is you're teaching yourself. You're like training your brain to focus on the task at hand and nothing else. So that when you sit down to write, you know, in theory, you can actually focus on that because you're, you've been doing that throughout your day. So I think compartmentalizing is really helpful. It's a hard trick to do, um, but it's definitely helpful if you can shut other parts of what you have to do in your day down. Yeah, and to your point, something that you said, Deborah, how you have to go through and read a bunch of stuff. If I know I have to write something that day, I want to do my writing before I start reading other stuff because I get so distracted. But then the opposite's also true. Like sometimes you need inspiration, you know, and, and I have a whole bookshelf of um, short stories back there. So if I'm really su super stuck, I'm, I'm not going like, to dive into a novel, but I'll flip through Flannery O'Connor or, you know, Ernest Hemingway or somebody and just read the beginning of their little short stories. And sometimes that gets the juices going again. But if I'm, if I'm down the rabbit hole on my news feed or my Reddit or whatever, I, I just can't get my own brain around, but I have to do. Um, that's, um, that's really helpful. And it's responsive to a couple of questions that came up, which I'll just go ahead and pose so that if you all have more you want to add, you can. Jenny asked, how do you handle researching and reporting in short bursts? And, and John asked, how and when do you allow yourself to move on from that endless research mode that can be so tempting? I don't know. I think the deadline helps. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm actually used to being really immersive with the people that I write about, like, like embedding in their lives for days or weeks or whatever, that it's been really um, unsatisfying to interview them over Zoom or like I've done a lot of like FaceTime, like walk me around where you are so I can see what it looks like, you know, but it feels more like the reporting even is in short bursts because I'm not sitting there in their living room for four hours asking them everything I want. It's like, oh, check this question, check that question. It's, it's not as satisfying. I will also say, um, you know, for other people that are talking to like epidemiologists and like researchers and virologists and everything, I am so mindful of their time. You know, it's like they're so busy right now. And I think with the, I think they need to be talking to me. It is essential that they get like their knowledge out to the public. But I also just feel like I want to be super efficient. You know, when it's like that type of, um, you know, really just like information because um, I just, I just feel like they have a lot of work to do right now <laughs> and I want them to do it because I want to get out of this, you know, mm -hmm. so, um, you know, but so I guess one way of, of reporting in short bursts too is also to be really, um, you have your, like, you know, efficient. So you know exactly what it is that you need to get from them. And like, you're just like, bam, 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 bam. And then if they are willing to chat, you know, then you can kind of expand, but, um, that that's something I've been doing. Great, thank you. Um, so we have another question from, this one's from Callie McMurray. Is it better to power through an unproductive day 
or come back to the task at a later time? Come back. I think <laughs> it, it, it does me a world of good to just to leave and take a walk, to go to the beach. I've been getting in my car just to drive, just to see something different. And, and back to the point of like, it, it doesn't maybe feel like you're being productive, but I think even when you're walking away and doing something else, you can still be productive in your brain without beating yourself up for sitting at a, in front of a blank computer, you know? I've been, um, I was, I was curious about both of your processes, or I, I was thinking about this, like, I feel better always when there's words on the page, like, just even if they're bad words, and I know they're not going to stay on the page, it feels like, look, I did something, you know, like, like, so, um, how do you guys feel about that? Do, do you, so, so sometimes I would say, like, on a bad day, like, if I could just write a few sentences, at least, you know, and then there's something to work with or delete later, or at least say, well, I got that crap out of my head and now I can, you know, maybe something better will, will come. I agree. I think that the, when, when I hit a wall, the idea is maybe to get something done before I walk away from it. So maybe I'll just say, um, make sure you write about this. Don't forget to include that. Research this, like almost like a to-do list that I'll tackle when I come back so that when I come back, I'm not back at that wall. Maybe I'm like seeing beyond it and I might not have what I'm, where I'm going completely, but I have a little bit more. And I, I struggled with that on Monday. I had the worst, worst writing day on Monday. And I think part of it was because I didn't do the things I said I should do like do some yoga or meditation or my usual ritual. I was like, I need to write. And I, I sat down and just stared and I should have given myself more of those breaks. So I did my, my experiment, my end of one, and it didn't work. So <laughs> get up and walk away. <laughs> um, I remember Julia had sent us another question about um, like creating the perfect writing space. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just thinking, because Lane, you'd mentioned that you had um, covered hurricanes and stuff. Like, I bet you've written in some really crazy environments. Is that, yeah. <laughs> Does it matter to you, this, the space you're in? Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this is my space right now. If I can be in this space, I, I know what I'm doing. When I have to write in my car, you know, or, or from a shelter or whatever like that, it's really hard. It's really, really hard for me. Um, and I do a lot more writing longhand when I'm in those situations, whereas here I'm like almost always typing. But I, I get in the habit of like, well, there's no computer at the hurricane shelter that has internet, so I'm going to write it out and then dictate it to somebody or whatever. I, I feel like uh, that process is even different for me. Uh, what about your space? Do you need a special space? I guess you you don't even have a desk, you said, Deborah. <laughs> yeah, I actually kind of... It, it doesn't hurt my back to sit on that bed, and I guess I can kind of keep moving, or, you know, it and so that, that makes me feel comfortable. I'm, I, I write from the couch a lot, too, like at my, you know, regular house when my kids are at school, and I can, mm -hmm. I can be in a public space, or it, within the house. <laughs> I feel public with two kids and a husband, you know? <laughs> But I think I sometimes like the challenge, you know, of like, you know, like my husband's been working, he's a writer too, and he's been working from the table, um, our dining table, and he's just like headphones on focus, you know, and I feel like you, you can create your own space if you have to, right? I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, even if you just have like a ritual, like lately since I have the puppies and the kids and the dogs, I have a candle I light and I actually have one lit normally because it's so smelly and I that distracts me. <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> anything to not smell dog. So I'll light the candle, but then it's like, that's when I'm writing. I light the candle and then I write. And it's kind of almost like, you know, you have your, your talisman that is maybe not everything else is perfect, but you have your one ritual that you can do that sets you off. Yeah. It sounds like you guys have lots of ways of creating the mental space and sort of the signal to yourself that it's time to focus. Um, we, we have a question also about support. Um, Juliet asks, how have your editors been helpful and encouraging in the process of writing during this time? What are some things they're doing that are, that are helping you, either to focus or in other ways? Lane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it help, you know what helps me more than anything is, is Zooming with my colleagues. Like, I just miss being in the newsroom so much. I've always kind of written my stories at home, but that process of going into the office and seeing everybody and bouncing stuff off of them and having that permission to go, I have this idea, but I don't know if it's any good, and having someone walk you through with it, I really, really miss that. So we've been having weekly, like, Zoom meetings with my colleagues, um, my editors organized, and at first we were all on the phone, and she's like, no, we need to see each other. So that's helped, I think, a lot. Um, our paper, the Tampa Bay Times, went from seven days a week to two days in print. So during this coronavirus thing, our deadlines have been all messed up, and then the rhythm of everything is kind of out of order. Um, so they, they've been trying to help us get used to that idea of like, okay, this story that you're writing isn't going to be in the paper. It's just going to be online, you know, and, and that, that feels weird. Like I need someone to, to say it's still important, you know, what you're doing, even if it's not going to be on your, on your doorstep, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, my editor has been incredibly patient with us um, and kind of, we're just throwing whatever ideas are out there and seeing what sticks, you know? Yeah. I've been having happy hours um, once a week, every Thursday night with some of my favorite um, SciCommers, other science writers from NESW from across the country, and we've been doing it since the beginning. And just then you can say like how you feel that day and really share it and what you're working on. I mean, we, we get pretty wonky. We, we talk <laughs> about work a lot, but because we're nerds, but, <laughs> but it's just wonderful to see other people's faces and kind of share the experience. And some weeks are hard. And, and, it, and it, well, there was one week where none of us could focus. And just hearing that other people were having trouble, trouble trouble focusing, finding words, um, was really helpful. So I, I think finding those, that support, even if it's not from an editor or, or a colleague, even if it's just someone you've met over the years is really helpful. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I love my editor, but my, my main support has come from my colleagues and, um, I've been, we've been slacking, but it is, yeah, it's just really, you know, validate. They, they validate me all the time. You know, like that does sound really hard. You know, <laughs> like you know, there was one time I I was writing a story and the same story showed up on our website. You know, the exact same story and I was livid. I was furious and I'm cursing at them and you know, but the, and and they were like, you know, and then I wrote the story too because it doesn't even matter and um, tons of people read that one you know what I mean but it was just very helpful to have somebody besides my husband to yell at <laughs> yelling at. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's been kind of 
kind of weird around the dinner table. Like usually we share our day, you know, and we come back and now it's like, I don't talk about what I'm doing because he's here hearing me do it all day. You know, it feels like we sit down to dinner. We're like, I know what you did all day. Like, <laughs> Oh, I know. It's a lot of family time. <laughs> you know, and that's one thing. I don't think I've not read the story and I, I, would, I would like to write it if I could find the right family. But we've written so many things about people being in um, isolation through this pandemic and what it's like to try to like just do this on your very own but what there are a lot of people who are sheltering with like six seven eight people in the house you know like what is that like my my older son has eight roommates in his house and it's like thank god they're all gamers so they have their computer games to <laughs> but like what is that like when you're stuck with even if they're your eight best friends you're stuck there for months you know? i would read that story <laughs> <laughs> Okay, if you have a question for Lane or would like to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com or find us on our Facebook group. Join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Allison Graves. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.